everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Writer's Haven. I'm your host, Musu of Musu Writes, and this week's episode is another fun one. I had a lot of fun recording this episode. I had the opportunity of chatting it up with author Denise Williams, and uh, I have to say that she had a lot of great things to share, of course, like most of our guests do. And also the other thing to point out is the importance of being a part of a writing community. I think Denise is a great example of how one can benefit from being a part of a, a writing community. Twitter has a very, very strong writing community, and she has really learned how to thrive at getting um, acquainted, building partnerships to the point where she got signed to an agency. So her book, How to Fail at Flirting, comes out uh, next year and she is a romance writer. So listen in and hope you have fun. Well, I hope you have as much fun as we did recording the episode. Thanks. All right. So I usually love to start out with um, finding out how, you know, how you got to where you are today um, as a writer. Can you tell me a little bit about your journey, how it started, you know, twists and turns along the way, things like that that made you want to say, hey, this is something I definitely want to do. Sure, sure. I have, um, I've always loved to write. I, I wrote on my website and I actually still have it somewhere. I wrote this book in the second grade called uh, I Hate You. And then its sequel was I Still Hate You. Uh, It was a love story. There was a dragon and some wily second graders, but a love story nonetheless. Um, I always used to make up um, plays and have my my brother and our friends act them out. I've always loved stories. Um, then in like, middle school, high school, I got really into those Fear Street books by R.L. Stein, and I thought maybe I would be a prolific horror writer. Mm. Uh, I wasn't. They weren't very good. <laughs> um, but it was a lot of fun to start writing them. And so I always just kind of toyed around with fiction, um, writing short stories or poems or um, kind of whatever came to my mind, uh, really through through college. Uh, And then I went to graduate school and that's when I really gave up fiction writing because I was doing so much more um, academic writing. Mm -hmm. My master's degree and my PhD are in education. And so I was writing about college students and their development, about um, racial identity, about social justice and education. My PhD is uh, looking at at student veterans and their experiences. Uh, And so I really set aside fiction writing for, for several years while I was kind of in that zone. And I didn't come back to it until I had my son and, um, about, he was maybe three or four months old. And I found that I was, I were either working or, or momming at pretty much all times. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I wanted an escape and I'd started listening to and reading romance. And I said, you know what, I think I can, let me get back to this. I think I could write the story. And so um, started in earnest uh, writing uh, what is now How to Fail at Flirting, which is completely different back then. <laughs> and I kind of plucked away at it for several months. I got very into it. It was really my escape once my son went to sleep. Uh, and it was where I could you know, just flex those different muscles and be creative. And I really felt rejuvenated from that. Hmm. And I thought I had a really great product. I thought it was perfect. Uh, I joined Scribophile, which is an online writing community. Oh, Got a okay. lot of great critique, heard back from some friends, and then basically learned it, it was not perfect. It definitely wasn't <laughs> ready. So uh, 
rewrote pretty much that whole thing over the course of seven months, learned so much. I really, I'd always loved to write, but I hadn't studied it. I didn't know about character arcs or uh, thinking about story flow. I had no real good sense of pacing. And so I learned a lot of that uh, really through the, the friends I made on Scribophile and then in starting to do more craft reading. Um, so at that point, I thought, okay, now I think it is pretty good. Maybe I can self-pub. And I started doing some research on that. And then someone introduced me to querying because, again, I was really green. I didn't know what that yeah. was. Yeah. Um, and I did a bit on a whim, um, DV Pit and um, uh, Pit Mad last fall. And um, actually, DV Pit is where I ultimately connected with my agent, um, wow. So a few months later, that was kind of a whirlwind of offers. I signed with my agent. Um, we did the editing. Again, I thought it was just about perfect. And she said, it's great. Let's take off 20,000 words or so because <laughs> I'm kind of a classic overwriter. Yeah. And uh, then went out on submission and ultimately signed with, with Berkeley. So I really haven't been at this game for, for very long, even though sometimes it feels like that. Mm -hmm. um, but it's it's been exciting in terms of um, what keeps me going. New ideas, I think. I probably have eight or eight or ten ideas that are in various stages of crafting. Whether I've written a couple of chapters, or I have an outline, or I kind of have a title. <laughs> um, yeah. And when I go back and thumb through those, it's always so exciting that you know that I could start on those again. And so that idea that there's just always more to write. That these ideas are kind of percolating. Wow. So I'm sorry. I just need to back up just a little bit because you, uh, you, you're a mom, you're a wife. You also have um, a PhD. I do. Yep. What did you study? Um, I, uh, it's in education and, uh, my department changed names right in the middle of it. So <laughs> I never exactly remember what it, the name oh, of it okay. was when I finished, but, uh, it's in higher education. And so, um, in my day job, I work with college students and it's largely outside of the classroom. So, um, primarily I work with students of color, making sure they have what they need to be successful. And so that's everything from academic support to, um, connecting with others socially or culturally mm -hmm. to finding leadership opportunities. Um, I actually started a project where students are writing. And so yeah. that is a neat way to kind of merge my two, yeah. almost like two halves, yeah. um, is helping students do that writing. And then periodically I'll teach usually about um, diversity, inclusion. I do a lot of just social justice training, that sort of thing. Okay, yeah, I, because I am... Um you know, I think that's pretty cool that you do all these different things and you still have time to, you know, um, to write and put stories together. So I, I think that's, that's pretty fly. I like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I don't sleep a lot, but okay. you know, that's okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. And then you also made another important point that I think a lot of people who want to come into writing don't realize that a lot of writers, they're either not writers by trade and or they didn't go to school for writing. I don't, I don't feel that it's something that you should have to go to school for. What's your take on that? No, I agree. I, um, I mean, and I, for a little while, I was an English major, but I wouldn't say I got a lot of that writing training. Yeah. Um, I, there are some days where I'm like, yeah, that would have been helpful to study to mm -hmm. yes. <laughs> know about pacing or in character arcs or, mm -hmm. or good structures. But you know, I think um, storytelling is at the core of 
of writing. You, you can learn those other pieces that storytelling is, you know, in, in, it's inherent to so many cultural pieces. It's, it's just part of our, our oral tradition. It's just where some people land. And so I don't think you need to have a, a degree in writing or a degree period to be a writer. Um, I do think it helps again with some of the um, translating that story to a written consumable product. Yes. <laughs> Hence me having to cut 20,000 words out of <laughs> the novel. But um, no, I, I think that, that storytelling is, is intrinsic across cultures. It's not dependent on education. Um, Cause again, I certainly didn't have any of that and I'm still learning right. um, a lot of those pieces. Yeah. Same, same here. And I think it's just important for people who may have started or they're thinking about getting into, they just need to know. Cause I know the same thing happened with me. Once I actually started um, writing to the point where things were getting published, that's where I learned, you know, the technical part of it, but I, you're right. Mm -hmm. Storytelling is, is the core of it. So yeah. Thanks for pointing that out. Yeah. Um, so when it comes to the genre, uh, I know you, you do mainly romance. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. So how, why do you, what made you want to choose romance? Cause I know you tried to do the horror, horror thing, horror thing. <laughs> didn't work out. So how do we go? Well, tried in vain as a middle schooler, but, um, <laughs> when I, and I've, I've, uh, dabbled in, in, I've tried other short stories. I, I did another, um, I did a NaNoWriMo book back in 2007, 2008 that was um, maybe literary fiction, maybe women's fiction, very ambiguous and it will never see the light of day. Um, <laughs> but I love love stories. I always have. I'm a rom-com chick flick fan from way back. Mm -hmm. um, you know, those are the movies I loved in, I, I would say that I got it in my head probably in college, maybe a little before, maybe a little after, that as an educated woman, as a feminist, as all these things I sort of saw myself as, that I was, uh, that I shouldn't be reading romance, that I should, you know, quote, aim for something higher or different. I sort of had this idea in my head mm -hmm. that really it took a lot of years to break out of. And I think that's, there's a lot of embedded patriarchy in, in that, I think. Um, mm -hmm getting those messages that love stories weren't educated literature, that, mm -hmm. you know, the stories that center women and women's pleasure and women's experiences and have happily ever after mm -hmm. somehow have, have less literary value, which of course isn't, isn't true. I say it yeah, as a absolutely. writer and reader. Mm -hmm. um, oh, sorry, I bumped the mic. Um, but, but that's sort of where I had it in my head. So I thought that, but when I was reading other books and I read in a lot of other spaces, what I was most interested in was the relationships, was the, was the love story. And so mm -hmm. for me, that idea of centering women, of talking, because I write women and, and my male, female romance, at least for right now, um, centering those experiences and having a happily ever after in this world that is such a dark place so often, uh, yeah. for me, that's where that escape comes in. Mm -hmm. Wow. Uh, and so all of those pieces. And then since starting to write romance, I've learned so much more about the genre, about the, the trailblazers that are in the genre, about the work that's happening, about all of the different um, genres, subgenres, uh, and just things that are happening in romance that I had no idea. And so now that 
for me is very quickly becoming a professional home too. Awesome. Yeah, and yeah, people sleep on the, the romance genre, but with the, the way Hallmark is picking up so many of these stories and how it's used on so many different platforms, I mean, romance to me has is big and has always been big. So Oh um, yeah, I think it's the leading I think it's the leading genre in the yeah. publishing yeah. industry. And um so yeah, that's something that for me I'm I'm getting around in my own head. But I'm also trying to put out in the world as well. So, uh, you know, friends at, at work at the university where I work would ask me, oh, you're writing a book. And I would kind of in a very low hush town say, uh, oh, it's a romance. <laughs> and then even a little bit quieter tone, I'd say it's a little bit steamy. Um, and now I try not to use the hush tone anymore. I'm good. You know, I'm, I'm proud of it. Like, yeah, my yeah. book is coming out from Berkeley. It's an imprint of Penguin Random House and yeah. it's a romance and here's what it's about. Yeah. Um, I'm just the other day put forward a proposal to teach a class in the spring on romance and sort of the patriarchy and social justice and and how the the genre has kind of a role in that hmm. uh, and so again helping college students who are, are doing that education who are maybe in that same space I was to look at it a different way so hopefully that'll come through I'll get to teach that in the spring yeah, I hope that goes through too. That'll be really interesting. And this will be um, where you're, where you currently teach or? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but oh, the okay. institution where I work. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, let, let me know how that goes. That's really Oh, I'm sure I'll be posting all over Twitter. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I might just teach it into the, into the Twitterverse if I don't exactly. get approved. I'm pretty excited about the syllabus. Okay, cool. So with your way of telling stories, do you have a certain inspiration, um, you know, as to where that comes from? Or did you just decide, hey, this is the way I, I want to do it? Gosh, you know, I don't, I don't know if I exactly know. I think a lot of how I think through stories has a lot to do with the way I heard them growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom and my dad would, would read to us and tell us stories all the time. Um, my, um, my grandparents who have both passed now, my grandma wanted to be a writer um, and she was plugging away at a novel and a children's book. Um, and I just think back to how they would tell stories and even just talking about events and, and the things that they did that just kind of were enrapturing to me. And I guess that's what I try to emulate mm-hmm. um, when I write just that, that feeling of, having that intimate relationship with somebody and then listening, you know, to the story that they're telling and how it relates to you. Mm. Um, when I think about the, maybe not the way that I tell stories, but the stories I want to tell, mm-hmm. um, I, I love reading romance. I struggle when the heroines are just sort of cute and, um, and any book really, and th- their flaws right. that they love too much and that they're clumsy. Um, <laughs> and so for me, I, I like books where there's a little more um, um, grit to them. So for yeah. lack of a better word, where there's some real social issues, where there are truly flawed people, those are the books I like to read. And so that's uh, what I've tried to write. The, the heroine and how to fail at flirting is definitely got a lot going on, definitely some real mm-hmm. flaws. Um, and challenges and same for some other books I'm working on. Mm-hmm. So I think about that too and how I think so often we, we sell people short when we leave them flawless. Yeah, exactly. I totally agree. And that's one thing my editor always preaches 
you got to keep the characters as human as possible. So they're not going to be flawless. They're not going to be perfect. They'll tick you off or, you know, what have you. But that just, you know, just adds to the, to the quality of the story. So All of that. I mean, my heroes are pretty close to perfect, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cool. And then you said something interesting um, earlier about your stories being kind of steamy. So, because I, I know, I don't, I, I know a little bit, I know that there's clean romance and then whatever other type of romance genre out there. Mm-hmm. Do you fall in a specific subgenre when it comes to romance? Um, I would say I don't fall in clean or sweet. I actually struggle with that terminology. Yeah, me too. Um, which is kind of an ongoing conversation, I think, in in, with romance writers, but I, I do sort of think that implies that sex is unclean or right, that right. it's not sweet. But I mean, that's the terminology that we use. So uh, I definitely do. Um, there's uh, sex in the books, and it's it's on the page. I think it's it would fall into contemporary romance. I think that's where a lot of them are. Okay. Um, there's no real consistent like heat level rating. Yeah. Uh, but I I usually just use steamy as my Mm-hmm. euphemism when I'm describing it to people, but I definitely, I put the sex on the page because at least in, in how to fail at flirting, the, the physical connection between the characters is mm-hmm. a really um, pivotal piece in terms of how the story moves forward, how the heroine is, is kind of finding herself again. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's fun to write. It's fun to read. I mean, mm-hmm. sex is cool. It um, is. Right. And so, <laughs> Uh, yeah, so that's where mine would fall. I think there's definitely more um, books that would fall more into um, erotic romance. I don't know if mine would be there that mm-hmm. um, the sex is a bigger driver in the story. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, it, it moves the, the story forward. It, it's part of the relationship of the two people. Yeah, and, you know, I struggled with that, too. Um, you know, it, because when... I tried my best to get around it or to not have to do it, but given the type of story that I'm, I'm working on, um, you know, it's also about a woman finding her way and she's mm-hmm. going, leaving one unhealthy relationship and going into another. So with the way that the story is set up, my editor was like, okay, you're, you cannot escape this. You're going to have to write some type of love scene or something between, you know, these certain characters. And I, I felt uncomfortable. I felt so uncomfortable doing it, but you know, I was able to actually do it, and I realized, hey, you know, for one, this was so necessary, and two, there are ways that you can do it to to keep it classy but vivid, if that makes sense. Yeah, and so much of the power of a love scene is yeah. the senses. There is. Um, Lauren Blakely is a romance author who puts out tons of tons of books, and it's actually one of the first authors that that I got into when I started just kind of picking titles randomly off Audible for my commute. Uh, and what I love about the love scenes in her books, as I've seen in so many others, is the pattern I've sort of traced for myself is one physical action to two non-physical actions. So yeah. I did this, I touched this, but then it's a smell or a taste or a m- emotion or reaction. Yep. But so much of the power of a love scene is somebody, you know, feeling it, which really is less descriptive, I think, than most people yeah. think it's going to be. But also, there are so many great authors who 
don't have sex in the books or do a fade to black or things are behind closed doors or just alluded to that do it very well. True. Um, that just wasn't my style. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, all right. So with the, this whole writing game, I think you, you, I think you answered this question already, but do you think the writing game is for everyone? Why or why not? Sure. Sure. I, I do think it's uh, for everyone. And I actually think that in the same way that I do think college is for everyone in that it should be accessible to anybody who wants to do it um, and is able to, or wants to kind of put in that work. Yeah. Uh, and that's part of my, that's part of my day job is, is thinking about accessibility where writing isn't required for everybody. It isn't solace for everybody, mm -hmm. but it should be accessible to everybody mm. um, because we need stories from all vantage points. We need stories from across lines of race and ethnicity, culture, gender, sexual orientation, socioeconomic status, ability, and so on and on and on. Mm -hmm. um, there's just so much richness in the world that if writing isn't for everybody, then the stories stay in small communities and not that there's anything wrong with that. Mm -hmm. But if somebody wants that story to spread, you know, they should be able to. Um, yeah. That's the writing game. I think the publishing game is a different animal, as you know, yeah. <laughs> um, where again, should be accessible to everybody. But, yeah. um, you know, there's so much to that that is, it's a process. I mean, it's, yep. especially with traditional publishing, and I know in different ways with self-publishing, it's, it's mm -hmm. slow, you're reliant on other people. Mm -hmm. um, everything kind of moves at its own pace. Rejection, vulnerability, critique is all so embedded in it. Yeah. That for some people that I'm sure probably is not um, healthy or, or something they're able to kind of care for themselves within. Right. Right. I, I totally agree. Um, you know, it should be accessible. And I always say that everyone has a story to tell one way or another. Mm -hmm. And, you know, writing is to me is the, the awesome avenue to do it. So yeah, I, I totally get it. Um, and then with your, your current work, how to feel it flirting, um, I'm, I'm so excited to, to read it, but for now, if you could tell us, you know, more about your current work. Sure, sure. Um, How to Fail at Flirting is a single perspective uh, from a professor, uh, Dr. Naya Turner, who teaches education. Uh, and so uh, she's a multiracial woman. She's in her early 30s. It's based in Chicago. And she is coming out of and really on the other side of a, uh, a violent relationship um, and has found herself sort of buried in work. Uh, and so finding solace in work, which is easy to do when you're trying mm -hmm. to get tenure and you're a professor. Yeah. Uh, and so that's really where the book opens. That's where she finds herself. And uh, through a series of conversations, her, her best friends, you know, challenge her to, to step out, to figure out how she can kind of reclaim her life and, and get things back. And so ends up making a to-do list, which includes a variety of things, flirt with a Go flirt with a bartender. Uh, <laughs> it ends with sex with a stranger. Uh, and so they make this a sort of a joke, but she's very type A and she realizes, you know, if I have a list, I might actually do it and I want to do it. Uh, and so uh, uh, kind of goes out on the town and fails at flirting in a lot of different ways, okay. um, but does end up meeting that stranger. And so that kind of begins that, that central love story right off the bat. Uh, and so really throughout, she is she's flirting and romantically flirting, but she's also flirting with this idea of, 
of moving on, of just forgetting the past. She's flirting with this idea of sort of professional success and then kind of flirting with the idea of professional ruin. Hmm. So as you, the romantic story goes on, uh, she's not only kind of finding herself, she's really navigating some challenging professional waters as well as her own personal journey. I love it. I love so, it. So again, there's lots of swoony moments. The um, <laughs> I think it's interesting to talk about a, a subject matter like like healing, yes, uh, like trauma, like all of those things and work conflict. But also in the middle of it, there's love story and there's laughter and humor and a lot of puns mm-hmm. uh, and in my opinion, really good sex. Um, <laughs> but I, I do think that's some people's reality that sometimes that the trauma, the thing you're moving past, isn't the story. It's, it's really the character. And so that really, that experience shapes her as she goes through all those other things mm-hmm. um, and sort of navigates that world and really flirts at, you know, kind of finding Naya. That's sort of how I view it. Okay. Um, but it'll come out next December. So 14 short months from now. Wow. Oh my God. <laughs> um, but um, it, oh. it is a story I love and I'm very excited for it to be out in the world. Yeah. Um, I just fun. wrote a, um, a little bonus epilogue because I, I missed the characters and I wanted some kind oh. of reconnection with them. So oh. I might put that uh, up on my newsletter or something like that at some point. Oh, that's really, oh man. I, I don't know. December it, I, I was hoping you were saying this coming December. Like, <laughs> Me <ready> too. To <laughs> wow. And I have to admit, um, you just really hit a lot of different points with me because the, you know, my, my book, it's, it's kind of similar. Um, mm-hmm. You know, she's, she's struggling. She, she was in an awful relationship, got out of that. And she's like feeling her way in the dark as far as reconnecting you know, with someone else reconnecting with the world and reconnecting with herself because she lost her identity at some point. So, you know, there's that going on, there's family drama, and of course there's, you know, there's sex as well. So, but, you know, there are other different things tied to it because she comes from, her her family comes from a different part of the the world and she's dealing with different cultures. It's just all Uh going on. So, but um, yours sounds so interesting and I, I it's kind of like one of those books that sounds like it's going to be a um, curled up on the couch type books you know I and, hope so <laughs> <laughs> I curl up on the couch with it so yeah I could imagine and you know um, now you have me thinking like wow because I just finished um, my my first draft with my editor so. uh-huh I haven't touched the book. I haven't touched it in a few days. I'm like, okay, am I going to get to the point where I'm going to miss the characters and all that stuff? You know, I may just have to do another, do an epilogue. It's been- <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was a good help. I'm, I'm, um, book two isn't due for a little while, but it's, it's done. At least the first draft is done. So mm-hmm. I'm in the middle of doing a couple structural revisions on that. And I'm so sick of those characters right now. So. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> and that is a book that I, I also love, but, um, yeah, I think you just get in that zone where yeah. it's, let me write an epilogue. Then I don't have to write oh. any tension. I don't have to write any conflict. Right. It's all happy ending. Exactly. Exactly. So you, you're, like I said in the beginning, you're so busy. Um, and we're, you, we can get very busy as writers, but mm-hmm. we, need, we need an escape every now and then. So what do you do? I, I'll, I'll tell you off the bat, trash TV is the way it goes. <laughs> so what do you do to take a break from writing? 
I don't think I have any real insightful, great answer for this. Um, <laughs> I have a three-year-old and the, my full-time job is pretty demanding. So writing still feels like an escape most Got of the time. Um, yeah. I'm sure there'll be a point where that is, is not true, but yeah. uh, candidly, my novel uh, never requires a diaper change or screams about the cartoon being wrong <laughs> or, uh, or the other kind of more heavy things I deal with in my job. So writing is still very much an escape. Um, I do enjoy watching TV with my, my husband. He has actually loved it since I've started writing more because we'll just sit downstairs together and he gets to put on TV whatever he wants. Mm-hmm. Uh, because if I'm not into it, I'll be more likely to focus on whatever I'm doing on writing. Okay. Um, so spending time there. I also am, um, I'm a photographer. And so when I can get out and just take pictures, that's a lot of fun. Oh, wow. Um, but just playing with my, my three-year-old, hanging out with friends. Yeah. Um, uh, messing around on Twitter. I, I don't know how many hours a week I do that, but it's, it's a lot. Um, which is funny. I think I joined Twitter, like maybe a, I was always on it for work, but I never really joined writer Twitter until maybe a year and a half ago. Wow. Because you, you've been killing it on Twitter. I'm like, I feel bad because I, I don't be having to, t- you know, I'm like, wow. You know, I don't know. Maybe I don't have, I should have more energy towards it, but yeah, you've been killing it on Twitter. Twitter. I, 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 thank you. I, I I just have fun on Twitter, like at yeah. writer Twitter especially. It's just, yeah. I don't know. It hits all the buttons for me. I, I have the Facebook and Instagram. Too. I don't know why I called it the Instagram. Um, I have Instagram <laughs> and Facebook too. Um, and, and those I have to be more intentional and yeah. thinking, okay, what what am I going to put on right, Instagram and this week? Like, exactly. what, what do I have to say that's interesting? And yeah, for me, I think, but I just feel like I found a lot of, connection there. I mentioned I did um, DV Pit, which I so recommend to any authors from marginalized spaces if they're interested in traditional publishing anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and for anybody kind of listening who isn't familiar with that, it is a Twitter pitch competition for um, people of color, people with um, different abilities in LGBTQI plus spectrum. And you have, oh, I don't remember now exactly. I think it's six pitches throughout the day Mm. and then agents you know you tag them with the genre and then agents are going through publishers are going through and if you get a like then you know you send them your materials nice but beyond uh it's uh hashtag dvpit dvpit got you and beth phelan who is i think it's pronounced phelan um who's an agent uh Mm -hmm. person of color um started it and it's fantastic i mean getting connected with an agent was obviously awesome yeah but i met so many people through prepping for that Mm -hmm. um the um i don't know why i'm um I have a computer in front of me. I'll pull up her name in a minute. Um, uh, Alicia, who's the sound of stars uh, will be coming out soon. Mm -hmm. Um, assisted me and like reviewed some of my pitches and gave me feedback and people offer that up. And throughout the day, there's just all kinds of support of liking each other's pitches and comment. I'm not liking them, but commenting on them and, you know, just seeing what's out there from other writers in marginalized spaces was so cool. Um, and I connected with a lot of people there. I also did, um, um, rev pit, which is R E V P I T. And I didn't actually participate in the, the competition part. I'd signed with my agent by then. But mm-hmm. during um, National Novel Writing Month in November, they paired up all a group of us, 10 of us, with an editor. And so we had a team and we competed and posted our word count and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but actually, we've met as a writing group 
once a week ever since then. So almost a year later, uh, one of my best writer friends, um, Allison Ashley, her book will be coming out in March mm-hmm. um, called The Perfect Distraction from uh, Entangled. But um, we met on there and I talked to her some days more than I talked to my husband. Um, <laughs> we roomed together at Romance Writers of America. And so again, at Twitter for me, just it hits all the buttons in terms yeah, of community. Definitely. And that's something that I would recommend to, to any writer. Twitter is where it's at, to be honest with you. Um, definitely. You, you connect with a lot of genuine writers who are on the same path as you are or are willing to, to lend any advice or, you know, whatever it is you may need. Um, Twitter, it's really fried because I, I was not a Twitter person before, but I'm literally, I, I, some days I'm there all day. Yes, <laughs> yes. It, so I, I guess I, that sounds, makes me sound really nerdy, but I guess Twitter is also my escape. <laughs> <laughs> so hashtag ZZ Pit and the other one was hashtag, is it R-E-V Pit? Yeah, yeah. And that one is based on... Um, it's really actually based on on editing and uh, okay. the contest ultimately is to win uh, editorial services. Yeah. Okay. But actually, so, I, I didn't go through that part. I don't remember all the details on that end, but the okay. community so, on the front end. Now I'm wondering because traditionally um, from the little bit that I know, when it comes to p- the pitching part, you you would, I guess, typically email or write a letter, you know, that way. But it looks like, Twitter is like the smarter way to go as far as getting picked up by an agent. Well, I think it's a little bit of both. Um, okay. And sorry, I'm going to pause for just a second. A bad storm just rolled through, so I'm just going to close the curtain. So it's sure, no problem. Okay, sorry about that. No, you're good. Um, no, I think, um, you know, I think querying, sending the emails, submitting the web forms, um, having a query letter, that's still, I think, the most common way that people connect with agents. Okay. Um, the, the Twitter pitch competitions are, are really, I think they're hit and miss for people, but it is a way to put your hook out there in a very public way. Mm-hmm. And so I definitely, mine was never this way, but you see pitches out there that have, you know, hundreds of likes and all of these different agents and publishers interested. And so of course that breeds some buzz and gets yeah. people knowing about it. Um, but I've done others where, you know, the, there just wasn't a lot of traffic. A lot of it was just people participating. A lot of maybe agents and publishers weren't there. So I think the Twitter pitches, it's just another piece of the puzzle. Okay. Um, I always encourage people to do them. It's certainly not anything that's going to hurt. And I think DV pit because of the number of people that are pitching own voices stories that are, again, from marginalized spaces where um, I think there is interest from, from agents and from, from publishing houses to, to get those stories and to hear those stories. Mm-hmm. That, that one is, um, it's fairly popular, but it was also for me just an exercise in how to talk about my book. Um, yeah. How do I make my book sound interesting in 270 characters because I have mm. to add some hashtags at the end? Mm. Uh, what are the core things that are interesting about my book? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so just even as a, a, a thought exercise for writers, you know, mm. how would you pitch your book in 280 characters was also really helpful. Um, and thinking about how I maybe use those skills later when you know, you, you have that opportunity to do an elevator pitch or you are talking yeah. to an agent or an editor or a, just a colleague. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, that those things like that will definitely help sharpen you and, and get you ready. So, mm-hmm. yeah, thanks for sharing that. I, yeah. you know, that you just gave me one more reason to stay on Twitter. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think the next one is coming up. I think uh, it's end of October. I want to say. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Yeah, because I, like I said, I I just finished mine not too long ago. So now that's where my thinking is shifting because kind of like the next step with with pitching. So. Okay, I'll be I'll be looking for the pitch. Yeah, thank you, thank you. I may hit you up, you know, with a question here on on Twitter in case you know other writers are are curious. Oh yeah, and I want to say it's um I can look it up while we're talking. I think yeah. it is October seventeenth. Okay. Perfect. Um, but they do um um help days that they put out there, so I think it's it has its own hashtag. Maybe it's yeah um, DV pit help or something along those lines. But everybody can really you put their pitches out there, and then other people will comment and. And, hmm. that. and I know it was, it was Alicia Dow who helped me. Um, but others were doing the same thing. They just said, Hey, my DMS are open for the next two hours. If you oh. want feedback on your pitches, just send them to me. And a lot of people were doing that. I, I think that's common in the writing community, but mm-hmm. especially where I've seen it is with, with writers of color, particularly women of color yeah, yeah. Um, and non-binary people of color. Yeah. Um, just being really open and supportive. And there's very much this, this family, which is, is very empowering. There is the Black Romance Authors Network, um, B-R-A-N. And so seeing them in some different spaces, I was up for um, an award at our national conference this summer. Nice. I didn't win it, but that, that was cool. Yeah. Um, but I was the only um, Black woman and one of just a couple of women of color who were in the the pool of the 60 of us or so. Wow, that's um, huge. And so I remember when they called my name, um, the the Black Romance Author Network group had told me they were sitting together and they were going to cheer for me. And so everybody kind of clapped. And then I sort of heard this secondary cheer. And it was kind of like having all your aunts at graduation. <laughs> um, kind of what I likened it to. And that is very much like that supportive community I see. Nice. Um, again, especially women of color. Exactly. So. Because I don't think that I, I cry. I, to my, I complain about, my, about this to my editor all the time. There's not enough representation out there. Mm-hmm. Um, not just when it comes to writers, but when it comes to literary agents, you know, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. go to the different conferences and the presence is just isn't there. And, you know, that needs to change, of course. So I mean, um, that's, I, that's definitely part of that too. And, um, yeah. uh, I totally forgot what I was going to say. Was, there are some, um, <laughs> again, like people who are kind of killing it in terms of lifting stories and lifting voices. Um, Rebecca Witherspoon, who is a phenomenal, author, has a ton of books um, under their belt, runs uh, Women of Color in Romance at WOC in Romance, I believe. Uh, And it's a whole account. And so every week you get a whole list of here's the new books that came out this week. And, um, you know, here's books we want to promote by women of color. And here are things that are happening. And here are topics that are important to us. Hmm. Uh, So there's that community, but it's also that idea of lifting, you know, lifting each other. Yeah. It's, it's so needed. So I'm, I'm really encouraged to hear that. Uh, I'll definitely look that up um, with the, the different networks that you just you just talked about because um, it's it's so needed. So thank you for sharing that. Oh, yeah. And I can send you some of these links afterwards, too. If Yay. <laughs> that would be so helpful. Yeah. So, you know, we have these different things that are going on in the writing world. And, you know, we just talked about things that are needed. So for someone who's fresh and, you know, um, bushy-tailed and 
really <laughs> kind of clueless, like kind of how we were at some point. What advice would you have for them? They know they want to write, but they don't know how to get started. How would you guide them with that? Yeah, I, I wish there was that sort of magic bullet. I think the only yeah. way to start writing is to start writing. Yeah. Um, I love something like National Novel Writing Month. I've mm -hmm. participated maybe three or four different years, mm -hmm. um, and I'll be doing it again this year. But um, for anybody who's not familiar with that, it's um, this huge online and in-person community, and the the idea is that you write a novel in the month of November, a novella maybe, 50,000 yeah. words. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I think that's a good place to start because there's so much support. There's mm -hmm. so much connection you can have digitally or in person. Mm -hmm. And the philosophy is completely don't be perfect. Get it on paper and you can edit it later. Right. And I think so much of what can hold us back from starting is worrying that the finished product won't be good enough. Exactly. But when you're in this whole community of people and it's you're posting word counts and you're doing word sprints and it's really the whole energy of it is get the words on paper and you can finish it later. Right. For me, that's a great place to start a new story mm -hmm. because I don't get so much in my own head about, you know, is it good enough? Is this scene perfect? Is this character fully arced? I'll do my best, but I, I am someone who outlines and then immediately forgets what I outlined and I just write what I want. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah very much a pantser, even though I, I try to be a plotter. Um, so I, I recommend spaces like that and then finding that community of people because for NaNoWriMo, it's there. Mm -hmm. No matter how much you want it, it, it's there. And then of course, you know, if someone is more intentional, if they want that roadmap, there are so many great craft books out there. Right now I'm getting through um, Story Genius by Lisa Krohn, um, Romancing mm -hmm. the Beat by Gwen Hayes is one I love, um, which is a very quick read. But if someone is interested in writing romance, it talks a lot about the sort of the hallmarks of the genre in terms of how that story flows. Mm -hmm. Save the Cat writes a novel. Cam Wyland has a ton of uh, printed and digital things. And so if someone wants to be a planner, I mean, they maybe don't want to start writing, but they could start reading. Yeah. And I think reading about craft makes you want to write it. At least for me, I get about a third of the way through the book. I'm like, okay, now I want to put this into play. <laughs> maybe I should finish the book, but um, that's part of it. And then that writing community, I love like writer prompts. Yeah. So it was Wednesday. So one line Wednesday, there's um, Friday kiss. There's a ton of them, but yeah. that is a, a fun way for me to just have a little creativity, have yeah. a little moment of a story. Yeah. And you have enough of those that you just start saving them to a word file and you've started a book. Pretty much. And, and I'll, you know, I'll also say that uh, that's kind of what jump started me because I've, I've been writing, you know, for, you know, most of my life anyway, but once it came to um, getting into the, you know, the freelancing author um, part of it, I had participated in a lot of different um, writing groups too, you know, at the uh -huh. time that, where you had the daily prompts, you had the, the thought provoking, you know, discussion. So, and that led me to blogging. And then from blogging, I, I went to, you know, um, writing and putting different pieces out there. So yeah, you're, I totally agree. Um, don't, you, you just write, you just get in there and you start writing. And then that's kind of You had like, a much better, it sounds like more intentional process than I did. But yeah, <laughs> I mean, you put it down on paper and, and this is advice I gave to someone. Actually, it was in the academic setting. It was about writing a, their, their dissertation to get their PhD. 
Mm-hmm. And I likened it to, you know, get it on paper. You can polish it later. You can fix it later. Um, if you're cleaning, a f- if you're mopping the floor and cleaning as you go, you're always going to be cleaning up footprints. Mm, that's so true. So it's same thing, you know, do, do your big structural edits before you start line editing. Yeah. Um, make sure this plot makes sense before you worry <laughs> if this word makes sense. Uh, all of those pieces. Exactly. Man, and to be honest with you, I never even got around to doing an outline. Can I just confess that? I just... No confession was, necessary. <laughs> there is a reason I rewrote How to Fail at Flirting probably about four times. But uh, my second book, I did do an outline. And then again, I, I kind of ignored it once I started writing. Yeah, exactly. I, that's how I was. I tried, but then I just kept ignoring it. So everyone has their own, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, 100%. Yeah. So, all right, Denise, how can people uh, best connect with you if they want to contact you? Well, clearly I'm on Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I'm uh, Nick Will Writes, and I see Will Writes uh, both on Twitter and Instagram. Um, DeniseWilliamsWrites.com is my webpage, and I'm at author Denise Williams on on Facebook. I don't do that one as much. but yeah, I'm, I'm always on Twitter. It's my, it's my yeah. time killing place to be. Uh, and so I love talking with other writers and yeah. readers and talking about books. And also my gift game, I think is pretty good. If I can brag about that, if that's a, a thing that someone brags oh, you're, about. You're the queen of gifts. Let me tell you, let me tell you, you, they be so spot on. Like I put one out there today. <laughs> the um bob's burgers gift I'm like, yes oh my God. Like, i love it i love it <laughs> what did she type to bring that one <laughs> i think and then i'm like what did i type to bring that up i should have written it down because i'll never be able to find it again um but yeah that's that's kind of where i am um yeah. the the book will be up for I think it won't be up on the web or for pre-order and on Goodreads and things like that till about nine months out. So a few wow. months yet. Oh um, goodness. I'm so curious about this book. I, I really am now. Wow. I'm excited to hear it. I, like I said, yeah. I, I love the book. I love the story. Mm-hmm. Um, which I kind of, I, uh, I kind of fall in love with my characters every time I start a book and I tease my husband that I'm cheating on, cheating on him with so many book boyfriends. <laughs> and he's like, well, it was bound to happen. Um, so, <laughs> Uh, I'm excited for it to be out in the world and to to get through um, yeah. get through editing and make it better before that happens. So that's yeah. awesome. okay. That sounds awesome. I'm very happy for you. You know, congratulations on the nomination. Um, what was the name of the award? Was it the the? Uh, it was the Golden Heart uh, Award Golden through Heart. Writers of America. Okay, so congratulations, and then congratulations for getting picked up by an agent. You know, that's you know that's always a big deal. When Thanks. That was exciting. And it sounds like I'll see you on um, DV Pit. So oh, yes. Yes, ma'am. Have that, that same experience. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. it it's really encouraging. So I, I think you, you know, because you really shared a lot of important things today, a lot of encouraging things. So, and I always say this, I know people are probably tired of hearing me saying this, you know, but I would love to have you back on, especially when that book is about to drop next year. Like, oh, okay. I'm here for that. I'm here yeah. for that. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, when I told my husband we were going to be doing this, I said, can I use your gaming headphone with the microphone? I was like, yeah, 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 sure. So I came in yesterday and he's setting up this kind of professional, (laughs) I'm like, where did that come from? He's like, I've had it in the attic for years. So now it's set up. So now I have to do a, some more podcasts to make it worthwhile. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that was, that was nice of him to set that up. But yeah, um, good thing because yeah, you will be doing a lot more interviews, so. Oh, well, 
Yeah. Here's hoping for all of us. Yeah, exactly. All right, Denise, thank you again for coming on. And um, I, I can't express how excited I am. And, you know, I just look forward to it. And we, hopefully we'll stay connected. Oh, yeah, definitely. And thanks so much for the invite. And I will, um, I'll send you some of these links if it's helpful to post or share. Yes, I will share that information on, on the podcast.